This is a young generation. Don't judge us. Help us. Welcome back to the Scale Up Project podcast. This is a series aimed at discussing contextual safeguarding and how to help keep young people safe from harm that occurs outside of home. Now you are tuned in to episode number four. This is the final part of a four-part series. And in this episode, we wanted to talk about neighborhoods. In particular, we want to find out more about how safe our young people feel when they are out in their local areas. We will touch on topics such as whose responsibility it is to keep them safe, the public's perception of them when they're in a group, the police, and a lot more. We're going to hear views now from a vast selection of young people that the London and National Research Projects have worked and talked to from different areas across England and Wales. As previous episodes have shown, the young people we spoke with hold very insightful and important views on their safety in many contexts. And this episode gives us an opportunity to learn even more. So we started by asking the question, what are some of the issues that affect how safe you feel when you're out in your area? Some of the issues that affect young children are stuff to do with drugs and how it can influence a younger child to get involved in a certain group which could end up making them sell drugs. I also feel like when you're in an area with a lot of open space, so for example a lot of public parks, I can name a couple of parks in this area that are not like gated or anything so you can just come in from any direction and all what knows god knows what's going on you know what i'm saying like anything can be happening because there's no one monitoring what's going on uh maybe like if you're at school and like you have like argues or all that with other friends or whatever i wouldn't say i find my neighborhood safe at all i think the normality of crime in the area is so provenant that to stand on the edge of a street and not see a crime is a luxury. Well, I think, like, walking home, like, because obviously, like, it, it might not matter if it's day or night, like, people can still be intimidated by others, like, especially sometimes when it's, like, groups of people, especially, like, in the, like, in the dark, because it's, like, you don't know who they are and... Usually people, like, when you see a group of people, you don't think, like, maybe it's a group of friends. Like, most people think it's, like, maybe a gang or someone that, like, a group of people that are really intimidating. Some of the things that affect people, young people in my area are, um, like, worrying if, like, one of their friends or someone that, like, maybe had an argument with them in school were outside and they might do something if anything's ever happened to them, drunk people, like lo- loads of people, like drunk people. The risk that affects people outside my area is most probably drunks, a lot of them. There are pubs everywhere and there are so many people outside walking around, talking to you, waiting at a bus stop. There's been many times where I've just been waiting at a bus stop and there's some random person who's drunk coming up to me, talking to me, which I don't know. And it's not very safe for a lot of people because a lot of people will ignore them and they will get angry. I would say when it gets a little bit darker and school finishes a little bit later, walking home as well. Yeah, because like as it gets darker, like you like you have more older people out, and it's like it get like people get more intimidating, and sometimes you can't see people's faces, so 
you can't really see how old they are and you can't really identify them so you can't see if they're like trustworthy but they might be a bit like more intimidating it's also when it gets dark and you need to go somewhere let's go down to the shops if you need something you don't feel safe if you're not with someone and when i'm out somewhere i don't really feel safe because i've had a lot of arguments and stuff with people and it's kind of got sorted but when I'm out and they see me, they will still say something. So I feel kind of uncomfortable going around the place. Everything from poorly lit public areas to drunks and antisocial behaviour were brought up there as concerns. And some of the young people went into even more detail by sharing their own personal experience of incidents and areas that made them feel particularly unsafe. Like, for example, in Barking, there's many people at night where they get drunk and they throw bottles, glass bottles around. And I used to live there, but we had to move because of all these incidents. But some of my family members that still live there, they always feel unsafe and never leave the house without someone. So they always stay with someone else. Even in my family, we were talking about me getting to work experience. And my parents said, well, we can drop you at um, uh, the station closer. And actually, I know that station to be quite an area that's quite unsafe so I, I said I think I'm fine I'd rather go all the way by public transport rather than you drop me at that place yeah it's like if like I asked to go out some of my friends say if like I wanted to go bowling with them my mum would like say like are oh, you um you, uh, ask your granddad to drop you because she would much prefer me go by, like um somewhere more safer than out on the streets by myself so there is definitely a shared feeling amongst everyone that we spoke to of feeling on edge at times and not safe in their own community. This fear for their own personal safety didn't just end with them. For some of the young people, they also feared for the safety of their family, such as their siblings. I have a younger brother and the way I see it is that I'm always under the impression that I will always be safe because I am a female, that people ultimately like decide that, oh, she's a female, that she's more docile, she's more weak, and that we won't target her. And when I see my brother, he looks older than he really is, truly. And he looks at least 16 or 17 when he's only truly really young. And it always really worries me because I feel like in the streets, if he actually looks at someone the wrong way or has a wrong stance, people will come up to him and harass him or hurt him, or maybe it'll be the other way around. But I think young people especially are under the impression that they're stronger than they really are and it really worries me because it's not until you are in within those situations that you truly realize how dangerous this place is for my brother i'm a bit more concerned about him because i feel like once someone threatens me or if they want to threaten me they will go for my brother and that makes me a bit more concerned about him because i know that he is a man he's more likely to be targeted in terms of muggings or gang violence and I know that once they threaten me, it would be something like sexual assault or something like that. And I understand both are equally as bad, but I feel like I would much rather be, you know, targeted than my brother because I don't want to know that my smart mouth or misdemeanor is what causes my brother harm. We went on to ask them how they feel the general public views them if they're hanging out with their friends in a public space such as a park. The following answers come from two different groups. And they go into detail not just on the general public perception of them, but on how the storylines and stereotypes they feel are pushed by the media can have a direct effect on how they are viewed and treated in public spaces. When adults see young teenagers, they usually judge them by the way they're dressed or the way they're walking. Also, teenagers, they also um, get like stereotypes and they're 
and police were also like um, stereotyped and thinking all oh, the gang violences, the gang, they're doing this, they're smoking, they're drinking, stuff like that, which is just unfair to be honest. Say if someone saw us all chilling in a group, they'll think we're doing bad things, they'll tell us this, this, this about police and all this, they'll think we're causing like problems. Real life, we're just, we're just sitting up, we're just chilling, like, just because we're in a group of people, it don't mean nothing. No, but a real problem is, I think a real pro- no, honestly, I, the re- I've, I understand where the police and the community are coming from because we do chill in big groups. Yeah. That's also what makes us look like a gang because we chill in big groups, the way we look, the way we... I wouldn't say the way we act because we do act like normal civilians. We act like normal people. You see me, I've got a belly on my face right now. That's not because I'm doing bad things. That's because I want to cover my hair. And that's, as I said, that's the, the way I like to dress. But wearing a balaclava shouldn't mean, if, if you're a black young male wearing a balaclava, it shouldn't mean that you're doing bad things. Because this balaclava, I can't lie, it gets me into a lot of trouble. If I take this off, I probably won't get stopped in the search. But this is how I feel comfortable. I don't think I should need to change the way I dress because I'm getting targeted. Yeah, but that, that's, that's the thing as well. Look at it from how society is looking at it and how the media presents it nowadays. Yeah, it, it shows that if you're walking past a group or say, half white, half black, or mixed race, or black, or whatever you want to call it, yeah, media presents that as like, you're going to walk past that and get robbed, or get hurt. That's okay. that's how society looks at points of things like that now. Yeah, I know what you're saying, because I feel the media highlights that sort of race people specifically, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, but also, <laughs> leading on to that, there is also white people who rob people. That's what the media also need to understand. And there's loads of white people that rob people, but also there's black people that rob people as well. As you can hear, the young people we spoke to feel as if the general public judge them when they're in a group. False assumptions and fear-mongering led by the media can cause some members of the public to feel intimidated by them, which in turn can have a direct impact on how safe these groups of young people feel, as the public is less likely to want to engage with them. They feel mislabeled as being members of a gang, when in fact, they are simply hanging out with their friends. However, they were aware of the issue that real gangs do have on the safety of the community, and also the safety of themselves. Yeah, gangs are definitely an issue in our area. I mean, this is because growing up and growing up in an estate automatically brings you in, I would say involved in the, I would say involved in the beef that they got, but I would say it brings you into a bracket where people from an outside area or people that this estate beef or have problems with automatically have an opinion on you, automatically put me in problems where I don't think that's fair. I, like, we don't really get a choice growing up on this estate because wherever, like obviously we do get a choice, but wherever this estate beef, it kind of drags you in there, whether you're involved or not. I feel like um, something that is a bit hazardous to young people is gangs or gang affiliation. I feel like there's a lot of things that aren't talked about, like being subject to abuse from adults, like on the street or from other young people as well. That I feel like isn't mentioned as much as it should be. They're, they're going to try their hardest to convince them to get into that life. And then it'll start from just like chilling with them to them making them sell drugs to them making them stab, kill people, like everything. Something that really stood out for me there was the feeling that growing up on an estate is not a choice. And that for some of these young people, growing up in what other people would deem as underprivileged areas 
makes them feel as if they are stuck dealing with the pitfalls of that environment with little to no help. Members of gangs in the community will target them for simply being from a particular postcode. If you combine this with the previous answers we've already heard surrounding the public perception of innocent groups of young people, this can lead to very unsafe environments. With gang activity being a prominent issue for their safety, one group talked about how they feel unsafe and targeted even in their school uniform. I don't feel safe because they got us like wearing school uniform. If I was more comfortable with if like what I was wearing, I feel like more safe and like more me. Whereas if I'm wearing uh, school clothes, then I'm gonna have to feel like I have to be more like erudite and formal towards other students or other teachers. Um, I also think that it's not that safe if we wear a uniform because of the areas like because we like because the area of school we're in, they could have beef with other people in other areas, so it could like conflict us. So even like we could just be an innocent person, but because they see us in that uniform, they're just gonna think, oh, they go to that school, they're involved in that, let's get them. So there's a lot to think about here and a major concern around safety at school, which we did discuss in a previous episode, but we're now beginning to see the way that these themes are linking into other areas of their lives, including when they're out and about in public. With the school uniform being used to target them and assigning them to a certain area, and dispute that they're not involved with. So one way to perhaps keep young people safer is to understand more about the core issues and why these environments arise. So with that in mind, one group of young people went on to talk about why they feel people join a gang. Say if someone saw me and I've got a, a bust-down watch, a bust-down chains and all this, and someone ain't, I've never seen this, they've never got this, they're gonna want it, you yeah. know what I mean? It's intriguing. This is what people want to see. It's all a flex. Everyone wants to see what everyone's got. And everyone cares about so much about what everyone's got. Like, see, when it comes to what I'm saying, like, it comes, it's, it's a flex. Everyone wants to be, everyone wants to be better than everyone. But I feel, like sorry, yeah, I feel this is what, sorry, I feel this is what social media makes people feel like they need, such yeah. as rapping, gangs, and yeah. Yeah, no, another big influence is getting into gangs. Is the drill music, and it's really good to listen to. I like listening to it. my my people make drill music. It urges but, people on it. Yeah, it does. But it urges people on it. It gives people an impression and a life that sounds cool. Which trust me, pe- most people probably don't even want to live. But some people don't even get a choice. Some people get groomed into being into gangs. And I know it sounds stupid, but some people actually do get groomed into joining gangs, selling drugs, having things like knives, guns all them things, being involved in all them drugs things. Don't get twisted, I think, I think, see with people and this, like, when people get drawn into this drug thing, everything, they, everyone, this is what I think, the, up, the outcome, the, the coming up of it, it's not cool, everyone wraps it, because everyone wants to live the after result of it. They get lost in what they see. No, yes, that's it. No one wants to live the life that everyone's rapping. No one wants to live the life where you're leaving your house. You can't even leave your house to go shops without leaving with a knife because you might get stabbed up on the way home. I think everyone wants to live a car. Everyone wants to live their best life. Who don't want to live good? Yeah. This is what I'm saying. It don't matter because someone can go, this is what this is what the like money people say, oh, stack to you, get this, stack to you, get that. Everyone stacks to maintain richness so they can be rich forever. Yeah, also, growing up as a youth, there's not many ways to make money. There's not many ways to make money. That's why some people turn to the room because when you want to grow up, when you're young, 
you can't have a job. You can't do certain things. Of course, you can do little things like selling sweets at school or doing little things to make your little money. But if you want to f- see big money, the way that is at, and I know it sounds stupid, is selling selling illegal things because that is what makes money. That is what makes people money. Most people, in my opinion, that I've seen that Jordan Gaddis, it's probably their mum's either probably crack. crackhead, yeah, or they probably don't look after them properly. That's so they gone. need money for themselves, more or less to buy their clothes, you know, which they see these gang members with. So that's why they're doing it. An amazing insight there into some of the possible influences and reasons behind some people joining a gang. Now for the next section of this episode, we wanted to open back up the conversation and we asked them, what are some of the things that actually do make you feel safe when you're out in public? And we found a lot of interesting answers. A safe space for me is at home, like in my bedroom or just at home because that's where I've lived most of my life or with people that I'm comfortable speaking to and close to. I know my good, if I know my neighbours like really well then them, my parents look out the window, see what I'm doing and maybe just bypasses that walk in their dogs. I feel like people feel more safe in like enclosed areas like cars, like buses, like just like transport because people just feel more safe in like a car like say you see a group of people you know you're safe inside the car because you're just going to drive past it's not like you're going to collide with them i feel like it can be like shopkeepers because like most of them like they're really welcoming they're really nice like when you want to buy stuff they they like show respect and it just makes you feel like you're safe like in the community and like in the shop as well i feel safe at school because well, obviously, I don't think anything's really going to happen at school. And then there's teachers and like alarm, like fire alarms, if anything, and all that. I think it's anyone that shows an interest or like shows that they care. Maybe it could even be a smile. It just reassures you a little bit. I feel like uh, being around people that you can trust more. So, like, say if you're with like an older person. Um, it might help you be a bit like feel a bit more safer, especially walking along the streets with like random people and stuff like that. Being like with someone could like really help you out and like calm you down if you're if you're scared about being outside by yourself. I think the people that keep me safe that's around my community and around my school is the teachers because sometimes they stay around the school and they are local areas which make us feel safe and that we know that there's someone there that we can trust. Um, I feel safer around the neighbourhood when I'm with someone like a parent, a friend, just someone that will like help me in the situation. Um, my mum would rather me go out with my dad as um, people, gangs and groups like bad people would be more intimidated by him. And although he might be scared as well, other the bad people would be scared of him. So. I would feel safer around him than with my mom. Let's say if you're going out with all your friends and then you go into someone else's estate, it's better to know people then because a lot of people are territory of where they live. So it's a possibility you could get stabbed or anything. There's anything's a possibility nowadays. So if you know people in that area, there's a less chance that you'll get killed. I feel like my mom keeps me safe because like, 
she she's aware of what's like goes on like around the area but like i feel like sometimes she needs to understand that it doesn't happen everywhere and not everyone's like that there's good places to go like youth club and stuff because that's somewhere we can get away as a group there's no police there's no police to attack us there's no police to focus on us we're inside somewhere safe we can go to the gym we can play pool table we cook food we chill on our phone it's nothing like being in school it's somewhere where you can get away chill make music and and like i said earlier the the youth workers them helping me get a job so that i don't have to resort to crime if that makes sense the reason i feel safe in my neighborhood is because like the bond everyone has with each other like if someone was to if someone was to get stopped and my mum walked past, my mum would know their mum and everyone knows each other. So it's like everyone's known each other from young as well. It's not just like a thing where everyone's known each other for a year or something. Everyone's known each other for a good amount of time. So when everyone comes in, like to perspective on us, like on this estate, everyone knows that when it comes to when it comes to this person getting stopped, my mum might know their mum and can call them. Like same way if my friend gets stopped someone's getting like notified yeah no i feel like that's the good i feel like that's the good thing about living or chilling on an estate is everyone knows everyone everyone's got each other's back like when he's saying if i was getting stopped by the police everyone on the estate knows so i knows whether that's an adult or a young child so they could help out they could call my mom they can help me speak to the police officer because they personally know i think another <clears throat> beneficial point you can take away from living in the estate in most estates is a youth centre as obviously from my point of view when I was younger there was an incident which leaded to me lead uh, leaded to me going to a youth centre and then from there I found everything was a lot easier I had another path that they helped me on and that's what I'm going with now so I feel like it can just stop your kids from saying <coughs> a lot of gang violence you know, drugs etc etc and I just think that it's just having the thought of knowing that there's somewhere to go to, like school or home or someone's house or somewhere where you can talk to them and like share your thoughts with them. When you're walking somewhere, there's like more of a crowd of people, there's more people, you feel more safe because you feel like nothing's able to happen if there are like this many people around. Being in a group and not on their own seem to be the most common answers there, which shows that for these young people, safeguarding is everybody's business. By taking a more hands-on community approach and working together, the feeling of safety increases. It seems there really is safety in numbers. Which led us to explore the idea of community guardianship and ask them how much of a role they feel essential adults in their neighborhood, such as bus drivers or shopkeepers play in keeping them safe. And we got some conflicting views around this question. Like with me, like in the, at the end of my road, there, there's a shop. And because I've always lived there, I've grew up with like the shopkeepers in there. So if I like, if I was out like near that place, and if I needed somewhere to like go to feel more safer, I'll go I'll go to like there because like like he knows my family and that. And there's been things that have happened before, and like they would always be there to try help, and like they would say things like, "Oh, just stay in here for now until everything's calmed down." I disagree with that at some points because some shopkeepers don't do that and they make you feel very unwelcome and that you can't trust them if there's a serious situation. I do think bus drivers or shop owners or like whoever I'm around should keep young people safe because, well, we're young and if we're out alone then 
no one's around us to keep us safe, like our parents or whatever. So if we're out in the public, then yeah, I think they should buy. Um, just coming up to me and saying whatever, or if say someone's approaching me in like a rude way or something, I think they should approach that person, not be rude to them because it would just cause even more bad stuff. But yeah, I think they should go up to the people or go up to me if anything's happening. Like bus drivers, their job is also to keep the people on the bus safe, but they don't really look what's going on behind them or what's happening in the bus, which many people don't feel safe on. An incident happened a few days ago actually on the bus. Um, a guy was looking at another guy and the guy got triggered and he was just asking him why he was looking at him. and. The guy, he was like a school student. I would say like he was like around 16, 17. He, he, I don't think he was looking at him like in a serious way, but the guy felt like pretty angry. Like he was just saying he shouldn't be looking at him like that. And he actually told him to come off the bus because he wanted to talk to him. So he was just shouting at him to get off the bus. And the guy didn't want to get off the bus because he felt like on the, I felt like he felt like on the bus, he felt safe on the bus. And he wanted to drag him out of the bus. And the bus driver, she was just sitting there. She would, she didn't want to get involved. But all she told them to do was just get both get off the bus because she didn't want them on the bus. Um, we were like, we was uh, a bus stop, and um, these two guys they wanted to get on, but they had no Oyster card. So they started like shouting, like saying, like, "Let me on the bus!" Like the bus, the bus driver wouldn't let them. So one of them are just shouting, like the other one there, they're, they're just staying silent. They didn't want to say anything. But it was mainly one of them. They were just shouting, like, "Let me on this bus! Let us on this bus!" Started kicking everything. But they ended up like getting off the bus. But it made me feel really uncomfortable because what if something happened to the people on the bus? I also feel like some people, like bus drivers, they only do it because it's their job. They don't do it to keep you safe or they don't really care if you're safe or not. So you don't feel reassured that you're safe to use public transport, which is why so many people don't use public transport. No, I don't think adults in my community keep me safe because if I was to run into a shop, there's people out there that don't care no more. They'll just run into the shop after you and then try to do a madness in the shop when you're in the shop with them. I would not trust a bus driver either because they would probably care more about their own safety than yours. So let's say if I was getting chased and I tried to run on a bus and they saw a group of people, they would probably just make sure the doors are shut and won't let me in and there would be more of a possibility of me dying or just getting put in hospital. In my opinion, just nowadays, people just don't really care about the youth anymore with like stabbing and stuff. They just care more about their own safety, whereas helping the future of like just life because yeah most like some of people grow up like that but there's still the other like good like 75 percent that aren't like that so let's say a person could be running down an innocent person and they're just trying to get safe and they just have they don't care and then they could just get killed so for some of the young people we spoke to they felt shopkeepers did help to keep them safe but for others it was the direct opposite this could maybe be linked to our earlier findings on certain groups of young people being labelled as troublemakers or members of a gang, and how this misrepresentation of certain groups can have a direct impact on their ability to access help and engage with the public. Now, arguably, the biggest part of the community that should be helping to keep our neighbourhood safe are the police. So we asked, how much of a police presence is there in your area, and do they help to keep you safe? 
I feel like the police keep us safe the most, but there should be more around each area because in some areas there's no police and people feel like they have the right to do whatever they want as there's no police around. Yeah, people wouldn't have to worry about like not being safe out if there were more police out because maybe it's like people are scared to go out because they know there might not be police there. And most of the time police kind of focus on the minor things instead of the more major things and like issues going on but they don't question about whether people feel safe or not around the community like for example if you're walking down the street and you see a group of people you don't think like feel safe around them but if you, there's for example people that you know like police around you feel a bit more comfortable and that you know nothing's gonna happen People would say police are responsible for keeping you safe, but I feel like when it comes to young people, young people of colour especially, they believe that the police aren't there to help them. Like we're sort of coached into fearing the police, like not getting involved with them, like just in case something may happen to us. Police officers think it's like, oh, he got attracted on, or oh, he like, they like, they have like, police have like a dress code kind of. Like they want us to wear suits, whereas us we, whereas us we just want to wear like stuff that we're comfortable in. Like when I'm going like, to the shops for my mum, I want to wear shorts and sliders. Whereas police think, oh, he's wearing sliders. Nah, he just came back from stabbing someone. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is what I realised with the police. I understand. Don't get twisted. They wouldn't do what they're doing if they wasn't seeing results. If they didn't, if they didn't stop a lot of young black men. And they didn't find stuff, they would realise it's not effective. Yeah. They're stopping yeah. a lot of black men and finding stuff on them, but they're putting everyone in that one perspective. Yeah, you know what I mean? They're putting, yeah. they're putting every black person in that they're gang members, they've got knives, they've got drugs, they've got guns, they wear baddies, they do music videos. It's not that. It's real life, we can have two different... They, they might be someone over there that's a gang, you might have me and my friends that are just friends. They, that's what they say when they stop a such a gang violence, gang association. And this is only because... We chill in groups, which I think that's also stupid as well. Chilling in groups makes you automatically a gang. I also think that the police are more of a problem because, in my opinion, quite a few police officers mainly focus on black people than anyone else. So they always, like, if they see a group of white people compared to a group of black people, they'd get out the vans, search the whole group, whereas if it's a group of white people, they'll just let them go. And in my opinion, it's unfair because everyone should be treated equally and with respect. But the police just make us feel even more unsafe because it makes us wonder every day, like, could something happen and it could ruin, like, your whole life. One community or one association who should listen to you but really don't is the police. You'll never be able to... There's no... You can never get your point across. They already think they know everything. I think This is what I think with police is, yeah? I think... They only want to hear what they've got to say. Like, see with police, if you're giving them information about something, they're obviously yeah. going to want to hear it. But when you're, when you're trying to tell them something, like say if I'm getting stopped and searching, I'm saying, and they're saying, you're, you're getting stopped, this, this, this. They're not listening. They're just, they're just trying to see what's in my pockets if I've got a knife in this part. This is what I think it is. See, when people listen, it's not about what you're listening to. It's about what you're taking. It's actually what you realise. Like, some people just think they'll, they'll take it in and not do anything to change it. The funny thing is, the job is to actually hear it and to yeah, meant so to be listening out. For the young people, that's why they're there. That's what they're, 
that's what they're involved in and what they're for, what they stand for. Not to like, not get, not care or not get for what they're saying or what they what they feel. Their job's there to make sure that the kids are there, have a right path, don't go down the wrong path and just, yeah. But that's not what they do. I feel the worst thing is probably, no one's been educated on how like their rights kind of, so when the police stop them, they don't know really how to act. They probably think they're getting arrested before anything's even happened. So yeah, that's when they start acting crazy and whatever. It would seem that some of the young people were very keen for more of a police presence and that seeing more police in their area helped to increase their feeling of safety dramatically. But for others, it couldn't be further from the truth. They brought up feelings of being racially profiled and they felt that as minorities, they were treated unfairly by the police and were actually made to feel more unsafe. You can tell that the relationship between these two sectors is greatly damaged. As this episode has highlighted, there seems to be a vast difference in the individual experience of safety across the groups of people we've spoken to, dependent on their appearance or even geographical location, vastly influenced by societal perceptions and stereotypes that seem to be instigated by the media. So with this divide becoming more obvious, it led us to ask if you were out in your local community and found yourself in danger, who would you go to for help? If I was out and something happened to me, I'd probably tell my friends first, like one of them, because it just feels easier to talk to them about it, because I think they'd understand. If something bad happened to me at the park, I'd probably turn to my mum or um, professionals or friends. For me, I feel like if an incident happened in public, I, I'm i going to be completely honest. I would probably just keep it to myself yeah. because I don't feel like there's anybody that I could be open with because, for example, if I tell my parents, I wouldn't want to scare my parents. Or if I tell my school, I wouldn't want my school to escalate this. Or if I tell the police, I, I feel like the police wouldn't do anything about this matter. So I probably wouldn't keep i'd probably just keep it to myself a mixture of answers there and if we take our minds back to our last episode on friends and peers you may remember that for a lot of the young people we spoke with they would also talk to their friends first if they were in trouble we're so much covered already and we're now starting to draw towards the end of the episode we asked them what are some of the positive things and changes that you would like to see implemented in your community to help you feel safer if the community would not label and target young people as perpetrators and view them as victims instead because you know like we all make mistakes especially when you're in your teenage years you're you're incredibly emotionally volatile and instead of if an incident happens you should be trying to aid the young person and support them rather than persecute them because let's say they are in the wrong for what's happened then they might need they're going to need your adult advice more than anything um, it would be good if like adults or parents, they walked their children to school so nothing happened to their child because that would be like better protection for their child to get to where they want to go. I think better lighting conditions, so maybe you feel a bit safer, maybe if it's a little bit later, maybe being able to see what's around you is also helpful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they should focus on making more of the dangerous places feel like safe places instead. Because if like it's more of a safe place, then people won't be scared to go towards that area. I feel like to add on to that, we need to like stop these stereotypes because students don't feel comfortable going to maybe somebody on the road or the streets because they're automatically seemed as somebody who's done, who's going to do something wrong or steal. And I feel like that makes people feel quite uncomfortable 
or maybe they don't want to go seek help. I think if we even look at adults in positions of power in the borough, um, even counsellors, I, th- I feel like they, they need to learn what young people need in order to feel safe. So, and maybe, especially in a specific cases, they're maybe focusing a lot of their resources or money into one specific park when actually people don't really go to that park. So they're not really aware of where young people actually like to go. Yeah, like, I feel like boxing clubs and, like, all sorts of different kind of clubs is, like, a good distraction away from school, away from, like, the outside world. I feel like if adults kept, like, an extra eye out for young people in their area, in the same way that a a grown woman would look out for her children. I think that schools or parents could help by talking to, like, the government and, like, trying to open up more youth places to make us feel more safe in our areas. Because if I'm being honest, without our youth places, like anything's possible. Like it's never gonna stop. Like people will still be getting killed day by day. So it'll be more better if we know there's a place we can go to be safe and like avoid getting killed. I think that adults should not judge the young generation and help them. I feel like the only message I'll say is like to put yourself in our shoes for once. Because I feel like the advice they give us. They don't really put the episode in like our shoes and they don't really see like the like, world we see. Like the, you know what I'm saying? Um, my advice for adults is that they should just don't judge a book by its cover and actually listen to us young adults because then they'll actually understand what we're actually going through. We are now at the end of this episode, the final part of a four-part series on contextual safeguarding. An approach designed by Professor Carleen Furman all around helping young people feel safe from harm that occurs outside of home. We've had four amazing episodes so far, full of insight and honest opinions from several young people across England and Wales. Here at the London and National Scale Up Research Project, we're still at the early stages of understanding how best to put contextual safeguarding approaches into practice, but this series has brought us so much closer. And of course, as we all know, this couldn't be possible without all of the information so kindly shared by every young person who has featured across the episodes, and we thank them for that. We've covered contextual safeguarding across four significant contexts, in school, amongst their friends, and today in their local areas. We also spoke with them about their thoughts on social workers and social care. The key points that have stood out for me across all four episodes is the need for our young people to be treated as individuals, not stereotypes or case numbers. They're emotionally intelligent, articulate, and clued in to the subtle behavioural differences that they may face based on their individual characteristics, some of which are completely out of their control. They want to be respected and heard, and even more importantly, they want real change and connection. Gone are the days where a notepad, a pen, and a listening ear sufficed in making them feel truly safe and heard. It seems a new approach is needed with the young people's feelings at heart. There was a calling across this episode for more community guardianship and better services such as youth clubs, a need for a more consistent but all-inclusive and non-judgmental police presence, and a calling for safer neighbourhoods in general. They value the importance of real connection and relationships, which stood out most in our episode on friends and peers. And for any approach to have a true impact, it seems it will need to be one that works alongside young people as partners, not projects. We can't expect adults to know everything, But by taking small steps to change, we can hopefully bridge the gap, dissolve the divide, and create a better future for the younger generation. After all, there is a Chinese proverb that states, 
do not confine children to your own learning as they were born in a different time. And with that, I will end the series on some final thoughts and again, thank everybody involved in making this series a possibility. Thank you for listening. And for more information, head on over to the website, csnetwork.org.uk. This is a young generation. Don't judge us, help us.